Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, hello. <laughs> Izzy is giving me a little peep show display. The first time after it drinks has been recorded in a bikini. Yeah, I think it actually is. This is my boots bikini. <laughs> World's first. Wait, literally from boots. It's vintage boots. I didn't even know they used to have clothes, but they did apparently. Love. And one of the items was this leopard print bikini that I found on Depop for £10. And I didn't actually ever think this is really boring for anyone who has small boobs, but anyone with big boobs will understand that triangle bikinis are a big no-no for us because they just don't have any support. But it turns out that if you shop at Boots, <laughs> you can. If you shop vintage Boots from whenever, that's like very chic of them to have done a tiger print little bikini very ahead of the very ahead of yeah the well we actually just got back like mere minutes ago from this is it, it, this is so funny me sitting speaking to you on zoom and the girlies listening in their ears as usual when mere minutes ago I was in the middle of the ocean driving a boat myself with no man in sight which lunatic gave you a boat to commandeer <laughs> I know. I was like, who gave this girl a boat? Yeah, I don't know. They're so chill here. Like, I'm, I swear this is not legal in other countries to just take a boat and drive it around the seven seas. But this man, this Greek man who doesn't speak like a word of English, kind of just got on and was gesturing with his arms. And I just was like, yeah. And then... <laughs> He just got off and took it because we didn't want to pay. You have to <laughs> usually like the other people who are on these rental boats get one of the guys to drive it for them. But we were just like, we don't need that. Yeah. It's like driving a car. It's like riding a bike. 
It's actually kind of scary, to be fair. <laughs> I would love to drive a boat. I feel like I, I enjoy life on the high seas. Yeah. My friend was just, my friend was like having the nicest time, just relaxing at the front of the boat. And then there were like a few periods where I was trying to like dock the anchor or like throw the anchor in. I told the guy, I said to him, have you seen Below Deck Mid, the the boat guy? And he said, yes. And I said that <laughs> I've watched every season, so I'm like, good to go. Wait, it's not a yacht, is it? Did he let you commandeer a super yacht? No, it was like a tiny boat. It's actually not as small as you would expect, but it's, yeah, it's not a yacht. But we were, we've driven, we were driving past all these yachts. It was quite crazy. Like, there was this yacht that had a mini yacht beside it and then a smaller yacht beside that, a smaller boat beside that yacht and a helicopter on the top. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do you guys do? <laughs> <laughs> What's your job? <laughs> I've been in Portugal and we were just in Nazaré, which is like a little seaside town. And they're famous because they have the biggest waves in the world in winter. They have these hundred foot waves that people surf and you can go and watch it, but they were, it was all flat. And the ocean is so cold, it's like two degrees, so you didn't even swim. But there was all these weird, like, chic nonnas hiding around. And I just became obsessed with finding them all. They were like Pokemon. <laughs> so I just was I was sneaking out early in the morning and like traipsing the back streets to get pictures of these poor beleaguered Portuguese oh grandmothers who are just trying to get on with That's their so day. Funny. Yeah, so um cute. Hannah who was on this trip with me was reminding me how little we knew about Europe before we'd come and that we didn't know Portugal had we were like is Portugal near a beach and then apparently Nazaré is one of the most famous beaches in the world but I still didn't even know that until she told me that yesterday I was very like not down on Portugal but just indifferent to Portugal and now I'm a big fan I'm a convert it's really cool. Lisbon's really cool. Excellent food and such. I can do some recs for the ladies if they want them. Have you had one of those tuna things? What's that? Boca de Lupo maybe, but I also might be making that up. Um, that it's like, you know how they have kiosks everywhere where you can kind of stand around and drink? Yeah. When we were in Madeira, which is the only part of Portugal I've been to, which isn't even near Portugal at all it's like above Morocco but it's a Portuguese territory Mm. and they had these insane things which is like bread I don't know how to explain it it's basically like two things of bread and then in the middle tuna and cheese and it's like a toasty delish I've had a lot of natas which are those like Portuguese custard tarts I'm gonna turn into a nata tomorrow at midnight they're so good yeah, they are good. Quite icky, but very good. We'll talk about something more exciting for other people who don't care about cuisine soon. But in Greece, I was just saying to my friend, like, it's quite crazy because their their food is so good because it's obviously so fresh and delicious and lots of seafood and things like that. But then also they are really up there in the culinary world with like how Greek yogurt is the best yogurt in the world. So I've been having Greek yogurt every morning. Their sweet treats are really, really yum. And at the bakery outside they make everything including their own ice creams so they like there's little ice creams in a cone like chalk tops that you get from the movies mm. and ferrero rocher gelato that this um greek man keeps giving me for free wow um yeah i don't really associate greek greece with dreams yes. but good to know i'm glad you're having an enjoyable greek holiday it's my only one was 
yeah. heinous. You're having like a girl's trip, which actually bleeds very nicely into our first topic of conversation because this is a special episode for you girls where you're getting an amazing interview, but we also wanted to give you some <laughs> stuff up front. Half of a normal yep at the same time. Very lucky, a little treat. Yes. Yeah, so on the start of this trip, I, I was here with one of my best friends from uni and now I'm here with another kind of newer best friend and on the ferry over she alerted me to this article that oh my god I don't even have her last name up that Caroline <laughs> Caroline woman from sentimental garbage you? yeah she wrote and it's about like the difference between girls holidays versus holidays with your partner and it's really funny and it makes so much sense. And I think some of the points that she pointed out were just like, I don't know, I think what's what's frustrating about getting older or like living with your partner or whatever is that they kind of become your default for shit like this, even though it would be more fun with your friends. It just feels like it's more effort to organize or it's like your partner's literally beside you. So you end up just organizing things with them because I don't know if I'm just like really unromantic, but I just feel like I would if my partner hadn't been away right now. So he couldn't come on this trip, which was a kind of spontaneous trip because my friend Keisha, shout out to our After Work Drinks fan, couldn't use her Airbnb in Paxos. So I flew over here to use it. But if he hadn't been away, I probably would have just taken him because he would have been with me when she messaged about it. And then mm. it's been so lovely just being here with the girls. But yeah, it's it's really funny these differences being pointed out. I think one of the ones that really stuck out to me was like that girls don't mind being ripped off on holiday, whereas men kind of take it as this like personal affront or like that, that they're getting taken. <laughs> so people are laughing at them or like they're getting taken the piss out of them. So they get really angry and it just becomes a stressful situation. You know, like if, for example, we arrived on the island and we got into a taxi and then the taxi driver was like, oh, no, no, no. And, like, put us in a taxi with these other people who were going to the same place as us and we all had to pay the same amount of money. Whereas, like, a guy, I think, if I'd been with my boyfriend, he would have been, like, sitting in the back of the car being, like, oh, they're taking the – like, they're just – oh, so they're getting, like, double the fear, but we're having to share this taxi, like, rah, 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 and just making it, like, stressful and whatever. Whereas girls are, like, take my money, burn it. Yeah, girls are so much, like – more fun and idiotic on holiday because it's all just about the vibes. When girls get together, they just become silly. Like your brain cells just drop the more of you there are at once. So you're just – all you want to do is just like fun, silly things and not care about the consequences, I guess. Yeah, or, or like we will happily pay extra to sit at a place on the waterfront where you know that you're getting ripped off for the food and the drink what the cost it is, but you're just like, I'm paying for the vibe and I'm paying for the atmosphere. And it's like way less about the actual mm -hmm. cost of the food. And I just feel like guys are just, yeah, in general, just so much less likely to want to do that. Um, so it was really funny because we've just been happily speaking about how we want to get ripped off on this trip and just doing the stupidest of things. For example, hiring a boat two separate days to drive around and take stupid thotty pics. Yeah, it's true that that's the kind of thing that you wouldn't do. I know, I, I think you're right. Like, the older we get, the more we just lean towards default holidays with partners, which are obviously, like, amazing in their own way. But we just, like, neglect. Like, we were saying how the the sleepover thing kind of dies as you get older. And even girls' nights just become harder mm. and harder to organize. And it's 
it's like a part of your personality or something that you you need to keep alive. Yeah. <laughs> it's so boring. And also that's why to get like sad about it, but it is kind of why older people just don't, you know, a lot of older women especially kind of don't really have that many close friends or they just don't spend that much time hanging out with their friends because I think we are more likely to default to kind of looking after the home, cooking the dinners, staying home, like, than men really. Or if men or men actually, like, the one good thing, the one good thing about them is that that, that kind of culture around sport or, like, around a common thing kind of keeps them seeing each other quite, like, more often. Yeah, totally. A hundred percent. Bring back the girls' holiday. I can't remember the last time I went on, like, a big girls' trip with just – I mean, it's hard because I guess, like, the older you get, you kind of make friends with couples and it feels kind of weird to just go off without – specifically without the guys. It feels a bit retro. But there is something so, like, special and sacred about having that time with your girlfriends in that way. Yeah. I mean, that's – yeah, that is the thing. If you are in – a good relationship it also adds to it having your partner here like my boyfriend is really really good like the same amount of friends um with my friend who I'm here with now as I am so it's like he would he would just add to it because it would just be an extra group member and it's weird to kind of segregate by gender but I just mean more like your friends rather than your partner just being with like your mates even if you're Mm-hmm. even if your partner's not a guy it's just like just having that time away yeah 100 percent. and as you have mentioned so much better <laughs> for pictures because you can be young yes. with your girlfriends i have this one picture in my head that i just want on this holiday of this cute little dress that i bought and i it, we're getting to the tail end of it and i'm like i just can't do it because it's just too embarrassing and the pictures zach's gonna take are gonna be hideous so why am i even gonna bother whereas if it was with you we could just say this is the brief mm-hmm the Pelican Brief, I need you to get this picture at a certain point and you would just effortlessly say, oh, my God, this is the lighting, this is the background, and just do it. And when you're on holiday, the pictures – there's, like, TikToks about this, the pictures guys yes. take of you on holiday. They're always disgusting. And then on TikTok people are saying, this is because they're taking pictures to remember them and they don't care about them being curated for social media. And I was like, well, shut mm, up. That's not even true. <laughs> I think, honestly, they just wouldn't take any photos at all given the – opportunity (laughs) there'd be like literally no memories of them ever existing in the whole world if it wasn't for women (laughs) or like one ugly picture of you on the plane yeah but like with this i think that was one of the huge points she missed in this article so okay for example i'm gonna read this bit out she talks about a lot about how men sleep a lot on holiday too (laughs) and we want to do activities so she goes When the men eventually wake up, they put on a wrinkled linen shirt and you go to dinner together. We are too excited. They are not excited enough. We are taking long, loping steps, showing off our cotton maxi dress that we just threw on and have been fantasizing about just throwing on since the moment we booked this holiday. They say nice dress, which I'm also like, that's giving them a lot of leeway. My boyfriend would never probably, well, he might, but like not really would he ever mention anything i was wearing they say nice dress we say thanks i just threw it on (laughs) we're waiting for more discussion of the dress hoping probably for a deep discussion of which woman in pop culture the dress most represents this discussion does not come this is where we have our first resentful thought of the holiday if this was a girl's holiday we think we would discuss this my friend would tell me that i looked like gwyneth paltrow and the talented mr ripley and i would squeal and say that was exactly what i was going for then we would talk about what film her dress was like (laughs) 
Oh, that is so true. The best thing about girls is how you like gas each other up on holiday and you're like, shit, yes. fabulous. And you just feel so, you feel like a special movie star or a celebrity when you go out with your yeah, friends. Yeah, even today I was like, oh, I don't know what to wear on the boat and I want to look cute for a pic. And then my friend lent me, she has the skirt version of the that pink Emily Watson top that I have. Mm-hmm. And she has a skirt version. So then I put that on and then was walking around this tiny Greek island where there's no one except families in this, like, insane outfit. But I was like, I'm having fun. And if we, if I was with a guy, they would just be like, what are you doing wearing that? Or I don't know. Exactly. Yeah, it actually is such a testament to the fact that we, like, only dress up for other women because that's the most exciting part about being away. That's something I've missed here. No reason to dress up or look yeah. cute. Yeah, and yeah, she says restaurants are a whole other thing. Here's the main difference between men abroad. I hate that word so much, and women abroad. Women, <laughs> I find it so like wanky in English. Abroad. Yeah, it's such an English. Yeah, so abroad. embarrassing. Women are perfectly willing to be ripped off. I mean that in a nice way. Most women I know will gladly pay the extra 20 quid to sit in front of the port and watch the boats come in while they drink their wine, realizing the view is part of it and that atmosphere comes at its own price tag. Men will not. I think men feel as if paying too much for something is like being laughed at, that the restaurant owner is mugging them off personally, and that afterwards the staff do a little bow-legged dance and go, aha, I have his money. So you go to the restaurant a few streets back, the one that is very nice but has no view of the port, and you add this to your list of resentments that are piling up unbeknownst to your partner. And then she talks about how you have a huge fight at some point in the holiday because <laughs> you're, like, getting more and more annoyed. Yeah, you have to have a fight on the holiday. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Which I also find another funny thing about holidaying with your partner. I feel like you always have a fight and people never talk about that or they act like when I first went on my first trip with my boyfriend now, everyone was like, oh my God, it's your first holiday together. Are you guys so excited? It's going to be so amazing and put all this pressure on. And then we just had like heaps of fights. <laughs> just pissed each other <laughs> off the whole time. I know. I do think people would need to normalize like not making your holiday sound like the most perfect thing ever because so much of holidaying is kind of, it's like having a bath. Like it's so great in theory. And the first, like, there are elements of it that are enjoyable, but then there's lots of parts that are not so great and no one discusses them. Like when you have a shitty holiday, like you book really bad accommodation or something really bad happens to you or you have a miss a flight or something, then everyone starts telling you their mm. stories of when they had a huge fight with their partner or something went really wrong and otherwise they won't say it. Also because it is – there are so many stressful elements about it. It's just like – the airport, the taxiing, the not speaking the language, the like figuring out how to pay. Like this, there are so many bits that are stressful. And if you're like, for example, this boat trip today, I would have not been fun with my partner, I don't think, because he would have been just more stressed about it than me. Or like, yeah, more... you bring all this baggage. Like, if you fucked up the boat, it would be like, this is why I never let you like cut up the vegetables. <laughs> But instead it was just two silly girlies driving around the high seas. Yes, I love it. So, yeah. Girls girls trips forever. Just before we logged on, I was getting the influx of images of the Balenciaga Couture Show. Have you seen? No, but you tell me about it. They got Nicole Kidman, Kim Kardashian, Dua Lipa, I think that's it, to walk as models. And Kim's walk is, like, very awkward and uncomfortable. Nicole Kidman. Yeah, Nicole Kidman is the new 
face of Balenciaga. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. And she's wearing this like eyes wide shut mask, but then she looked quite amazing on the runway. I don't know if it's – and then Chris Jenner and Offset were in the front row, and I, I, I get what they're doing. I can't decide if I like their celebrity culture relationship or if it if it annoys me. In what way? Like I understand that you have to engage with celebrities like Kim Kardashian and such and, and Kris Jenner to be kind of relevant and that there's something interesting about it, but then getting like a bunch of celebrities to walk in your show, I just... I feel like we think it's amazing and groundbreaking because it's Balenciaga, but then when I think about it too deeply, I'm kind of like, is it or is it lazy? No, yeah, I don't like that either. I don't like I, – I don't even really like shows that use it models that much. You, even shows that yeah. use Kendall Jenner and stuff all the time. It's just like this is this is, this is is boring. She's not even – she doesn't even model well. She doesn't walk well. <laughs> like – it's just to know. It's just using. It's a similar thing. It's just using the celebrity element of it to get people to look at the collection or for the show to be featured. And it's so annoying that that has to ha- happen in some ways. But it's also like, I love how. What shows don't really ever use big models? Saint Laurent doesn't really, does it? They kind of use like their own. No, I love brands like that that have that really like Chanel's very similar. They always just use a certain type of of a certain vibe of model and some are kind of big super like big model names but they never really use like vibey people and it keeps it's in keeping with the clothes Dior's the same like they just kind of do their own thing and let the clothes speak for themselves yeah Dior never uses a big model do they yeah I really like it I feel like the more we're getting into this crazy fashion social media stuff the more I respect I mean Prada is the same I feel like the brands that really know themselves. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Chanel would have yeah. um, his brides who were sometimes celebs, but I guess they were ones that were like house muses, so they made sense. Lily Rose Depp and stuff and Adut. Yeah. But Adut's a model, I guess. Wow. Yes. Yeah, so I don't know how I feel about that. But there is another ridiculous celebrity fashion thing, which is that Kate Moss is the face of slash the creative director, Scream, of Diet Coke. It's so iconic. Which I can't stop thinking about because I just, like, I've been trying really hard to get my brain around why I'm obsessed with it. And I don't... It feels so of the moment with this obsession with, like, 90s culture, this throwback to this idea of supermodels drinking Diet Coke, like 10 bottles of cans of Diet Coke behind the scenes at a fashion show and smoking cigarettes to stay thin. Like that's what it kind of evokes for me, which I think is troubling, but then I also don't want to overthink it. No, I know. That was the first thing I thought. Like the minute I saw it, I was like, this is so crazy and iconic that she would do this, that they could talk her into kind of just – in a way, it just feels like it's cementing everything she's ever been known for in terms of, like, dieting and not eating. It's literally Diet Coke, and it's the person that said nothing tastes as good as Skinny Feels. <laughs> and the the picture of it is so amazing. It's shot by Quentin Jones, I think, and it's her with the red gloves, and it's this really high-fashion-style 
picture and even calling her creative director it's this idea that she's going to be appointed to oversee the creative visuals of Diet Coke's branding going forward, which I'm like, surely not. It must just be a gimmick that they're going to do maybe one quote unquote collaboration, like a Kate Moss can, a collectible can, which I will definitely, against my better judgment, go and find. Makes me really upset that I drink Coke Zero. I love, I have to say, I'm a Diet Coke diehard, as I think mm. you know. I've always been team diet coke even though it is gross there's just something about it but it's funny because apparently coke zero was started as because men didn't want to be seen drinking diet coke because they thought it was for girls who trying to lose weight and that's what so they're almost like leaning into that as the branding thing even more they're doubling down on yeah. it now which is very retro well, I thought to use that phrase yeah again. i kind of thought coke zero was i just assumed it was because Coke was trying to move away from the word having Diet Coke in the name, but then they mm. just had all One of them. Think. I was like, I don't understand. <laughs> They're like going to do a collab with. Wait, you know, Jules illegal now, fully in America. Yeah, that's so crazy. Why? Because of all the health things. Because they've realized that it, I don't know, kills people really quickly. I assume. But they're probably going to do some sort of partnership with like Win Marlboro Gold. <laughs> by Kate was Vogue. It's all just crazy. I can't believe Jewel is illegal. I feel, I don't know, it feels scary that they're doing that so quickly and so many people still vape. <laughs> Slash me when I have yeah, it's four we, Vinos. Yeah, we on it early. Yeah. Yeah. But there is this, like, new thing with, I've noticed with brand partnerships, so Kim Kardashian, this is, like, so genre, but she did a partnership with Beyond Meat and they said that they'd appointed her their chief tasting officer and it was like an ongoing role and that's officially her name in the company. And Kendall Jenner got made creative director of Forward, that online fashion retailer. And I'm kind of interested like why the new, like the next chapter of celebrity brand partnerships is needing to work for the company and have a job title. Like uh, I know they don't actually, but the perception that you work there in a job role. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's is it a way of like seeming more authentic? Yeah, I guess it's. I guess maybe it makes <laughs> idiots or like certain people think that at least they're that they're <laughs> actually using it and endorsing it more than just an Instagram image. But it was really funny because in that Beyond Meat one, Kim wasn't even eating or she was like called out for not even eating it and fake eating it. Yeah. I was like, just eat it when it I wonder filmed. how much they get paid for those. Millions and millions and millions. The How much do you think Kate Moss got for the Diet Coke deal? A million? No, Grace, like 10. More. Five million pounds. Yeah. Signs huge five million pound Diet Coke deal. Damn. I mean, you just would. You just you just would. Yeah. The Jenners are also really, obviously, it's like the most stale take ever, but they're so clever with the way they do their brand deals. So one of them became an ambassador for this brand and like the way that they got her to sign on was by her taking a percentage of the company 
and its sales from that point onwards or something. And it was like the company was growing by such a crazy percentage that the actual amount they paid her to be ambassador was like two million or something. But the amount she'll be making by mm. the by five years in or if she wants to sell it will be like 80 million. Yeah, it does make sense to me because it's like I think there so many of those brand partnerships got so cynical where you would just be told like when Kendall Jenner used to do SponCon and she'd say like the caption would literally be like at proactive full stop. It was like so lazily done because she obviously had no interest and just wanted the money and put no effort into it. So the idea that they now want these holistic, all-encompassing brand partnerships where you're, like, have vested interest in the company making money long-term mm. is interesting. But, like, this line between, yeah, celebrity and sponsorship is so fucked. What would you – what would be your dream brand? Um, Honestly, it would be Diet Coke. Yeah. Maybe that's just in my I know, brain I was just now. thinking that. I'm finding it hard to think of anything else. <laughs> Diet Coke. Crispy Diet M&Ms. Coke. Uh, crispy M&Ms. I'd be an M&M. I'd be one of the M&M girls in um, the, like, white boots that she got banned from wearing. The sexy M&M. <laughs> the sexy green M&M. Mm-hmm. Maybe, like, flips, which are those chocolate-covered pretzels that I love. The, a flips girl. The creative director of flips. That's quite chic. <laughs> the creative director of... Cinnamon um, buns. Buns from home. Gales of Lipton iced tea peach flavor. The, the creative director of Gale. The creative director of Ben's Cookies. Oh my god, that would be iconic. I think that would be good. Yeah, something to think about. We can put together a pitch for them, and we can say nothing tastes as good as Ben's Cookies. Nothing too. tastes as good as Ben's Cookies. I can't deal. believe she said that and got away with it. I know. I well, I feel like she kind of didn't get away with it for a while someone said she didn't actually say that or something i think she denounced it like a few years ago she said she did like a very half-hearted i probably shouldn't have said that kind of thing (laughs) (laughs) she's like wink wink Uh. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, so we have a really excellent interview for you guys today that we're very excited to share. 
Emma Louise Boynton is basically we discovered her because we were invited to an event she was doing at the London edition called Sex Talks. And she basically has a podcast and a platform and writes as a columnist about sex, normalizing sex discussions, eradicating sexual shame. She started writing about how she saw a sex therapist herself and it got her really interested in the way women relate to sex. Um, And we kind of fell in love with her and then wanted to have her on the pod. And we finally did it. And it was in person, which is crazy. Yeah, it was so great. We love her a lot. We're going to release the first half hour of this sprawling conversation because then the wine started hitting and I started saying things that and not for the no general public. Be able to hear. <laughs> and not for public consumption. So that's going to stay locked firmly away behind um, a paywall because, yeah. Uh, but the f- yeah, but we hope you guys enjoy because. Yeah, Emma's really great. You can follow her in all the normal places. We'll put links in our uh, bio as well. And the next Sex Talks is actually on, I think, the 12th of July at London Edition. And you're not back yet, are you? So we're going to go to the one after that. Yes, the one after that. I think I get back on, like, the 15th. Sad. Yeah. So anyway, bye. Enjoy, guys. Bye. Like, how do I enter that? Should we cheers? I feel like you guys yeah, haven't started have drinking and I'm no. halfway through this glass. Oh, yeah. Cheers. 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 Uh, Welcome. Mm. Yes. So we're here with our third co-host for the week, not Shiva this time. Mm-hmm. It is Emma Louise Boynton. Um, we actually don't do intros really because like we're really- keep an air of mystery. <laughs> let, the, let the girls you hear and figure it out as they go along. Let the girls do a Google. No, yeah. we're just really bad at doing intros, I find. I always think it's quite weird. I, I kind of veer between doing intros on live events and not. Because I always think it's so weird when you're sat in front of someone, you're just like telling them all the things they've done in their life. And you're so conscious, like if I get one thing wrong, like yes. I'm repeating your biography to you. And I always find it quite awkward. So yeah, I totally get that. Well, so we're going to maybe, I mean, this is our first in-person interview in so long. So we're so glad you've yeah. actually like made the journey to my house. AWD. The AWD headquarters. headquarters. Anything to get off Zoom. Yeah. The yes. joy of real life. My problem is like, I will not be able to shut up because I'm so excited to be sitting with real people. Oh, we on love podcast, that. So. I agree. I love in-person interviews so much more. You actually become friends with the person. Mm. Whereas on Zoom, it just feels so... Um, I don't know, just a bit stale, but no yeah. one wants, no one it's can be bothered anymore. Well. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, and the time you try lag. to talk and then someone's like, uh, uh, and you're like, uh, and, and then, then the internet gets fuzzy and suddenly you're talking to like a purple blur and you have to pretend like, cause I'm never sure it's my internet or there. So I have to carry on be like, mm, really interesting point. And they're just like this, like Mr. Blocky. <laughs> and I'm like, do I say something now or do I wait? Yeah. Like, what do I do? So no, I think, and it's true. I'm a real follow-up by the way. So we are going to be friends after this. Well, I was an East London girl and until very recently so any excuse to get back that way yes great i'd never leave it's actually terrible yeah. any excuse to, to make me leave this is why actually today was great because i often honestly don't leave like islington shoreditch bethnal green and i feel like yeah good to good to see the rest of the world yeah we'll take you around golden road excellent. our favorite road excellent i know i wish we had time it's good we can set up a second yeah that's sorry date that's, that's date yeah that's, that's date night number the two it's just, just like looking at their clock yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're like what's your calendar like in the next few weeks um okay so yes you're a woman of many talents you have 
I mean, I'm not going to list it all because you can list it, but you have her hustle, you've got the pod. Can you tell us a bit about what you do? Yes, of course. Um, So my background is in journalism, similar to you two, although I didn't do, in fashion, I was actually in news and current affairs uh, in politics. So I used to work for Sky News, BBC as producer, and then worked for Tina Brown in New York. And then came back to London in like 2017, after a couple of years in New York, inspired by Women in the World, which is her, Tina Brown's live event uh, business, which is all about telling um well exploring kind of most global pressing issues but through the female lens and was just loved how she this kind of empire she'd built and was so inspired by it so came back to london and started setting up my own companies and i say companies because i did firstly set up a political issues platform which was a very noble endeavor with a terrible business plan i don't know how we (laughs) ever thought we'd make money and just like i would just very diligently write this like 4,000 word tome every week trying to disentangle US politics for our no readers. Um, one of those things of like build it and the audience will come and they did not come. Um, but none of us, it was it was so earnest. Yeah. I mean that's also I mean the earnestness like seeped off the fucking page. Um, <laughs> but then set up her hustle which was initially a careers platform alongside that because I just felt whilst sitting writing these terms and being like, what the hell is this going to be? I was like, where is a good careers advice at? Because I have no idea what I'm doing and I don't know, having always been freelance, I was like, ah, I need better advice. And so my best friend and I set up a careers platform called Her Hustle, which is a live events business where we'd interview amazing women across the board about what their job actually meant, like what their job title really entailed, like really getting behind the headline. Um, And that ended up leaving the earnest business and focusing on her hustle and that kind of like snowballed so it became a bigger like live events business then the pandemic hit Mm. and I was like on my high horse like I run a live events business we just done our biggest event um, for International Women's Day at Soho House I was like on this amazing high I was hosting everything loving it and the pandemic hit and I was like right drawing board um so really had a kind of tumultuous pandemic of like doing lots of digital stuff ended up becoming a founding editor at the stack world which charmaine reed set up which Mm -hmm. is amazing did lots of writing and that's actually where i started writing my sex column about my experience getting sex therapy and got kind of obsessed with the topic area and the column was called conversations with my sex therapist and it just got me really fascinated in like reading and thinking about sex from obviously my personal experience um doing sex therapy but also from a kind of broader more analytical perspective of all the issues around sex that so many people seem to experience and that ended up being another kind of catalytic catalytic moment and I kind of have now like transitioned her hustle into sex talks which is the media platform I run so doing the same thing I run events create podcasts do lots of writing but with a focus now on sex so from politics to careers to sex it's a Love. very obvious trajectory, trajectory. <laughs> exactly you exactly. in the perfect place so can you tell us more about seeing a sex therapist yes I can because, my favorite topic <laughs> yeah because I will obviously reading some of your columns it's one of and I loved how you were saying that Whenever you tell someone you're seeing a sex therapist, people start being like, I haven't had an orgasm in five years. Or like start spilling everything to you because everyone secretly thinks that they're doing sex wrong. Yes. But doesn't, I don't think people even know sex therapy exists. I didn't know it existed. No, neither. Neither did I. (laughs) Until I suddenly become like the biggest like evangelist for sex therapy. I had no idea sex therapy was a thing. And like so many people who I've spoken to since writing the column, I thought I was broken. I couldn't orgasm and partner sex since I broke up with my um, like long-term ex-boyfriend at university. So it was about seven years of just like bad sex, not being able to orgasm. And I was at dinner party and I was talking to 
a group of quite new friends actually so we were really went in deep quickly <laughs> and was just saying yeah I'm just not a sexual person I'm not that I don't really like sex I'm not very good at it and I don't orgasm and one of them turned to me and was like you know you can fix this you know this is like a really common issue that so face. many women feel like that yeah so many like sexual dysfunction which I think is actually quite a horrible way of saying it but affects I think it's like 53% of women at some point in their lives like it's a huge mm. amount of people and it's mainly it's psychological rather than physiological it's in your head you build up this kind of anxiety around sex from after a couple bad experiences um, well, that was in my case anyway. And then it becomes like a self-filling prophecy. So sex becomes like quite bad because you're so nervous, like the bad thing's gonna happen or it's not gonna work, whatever. So I was chatting to this, to this new friend <laughs> and she was like, I'd seen a sex, I, she'd seen a sex therapist and she was like, this sex therapist changed my life. And then another girl at the table, I kid you not, two of them had seen the same sex therapist, this Australian sex therapist. Australia. Doing us Yeah, proud. exactly. Oh, doing very proud. Um, and they put me in, she was like, you just try it out, why not? Mm. And I was like, fuck it, what do I have to lose? Like, sex can't get any worse. <laughs> um, so got in touch. And then Charmadine being like the amazing mind that she is, uh, set up stack. So she, she said, you know, you should document this and you should write this as a column. And I think, had she not said that, had she not commissioned it as a column and given me a kind of work impetus to continue with sex therapy, mm-hmm. I think I probably would have quit quite quickly because I'm a like instant gratification kind of gal. Like I want to like go to one therapy session and be fixed and cured and orgasm. Same. Not what happens. But yeah, so I got into sex through through this person and then it was amazing. It's like you go back through your sexual history of like really like unpicking all the essentially like sexual traumas that have really formed how you see and experience sex and your body going back to my eating disorder, which affects how I had sex. And you just like talk through it. And it's incredibly cathartic as I know therapy is. But I think it also gives you space to verbalize things like sexual trauma that perhaps you just kind of have previously buried. And so I was assaulted when I was 17, but never really saw it as assault. I was like, oh, it's just, you know, a thing that happened. You know, I was asleep and, you know, someone I was told the next morning that someone had sex with me. Like that's quite a big thing. And I just had never processed it because I didn't, you know, you just kind of, it's also really common like so many friends have had that but so it just kind of gave me the opportunity to like work through things I think had over the years built up this quite like difficult relationship with sex have I pitched sex therapy to you you certainly have (laughs) we're gonna we need to expense it on the after work drinks account yes and Um, record our sessions like Esther Perot and share them yes um, in one of your columns, you talk about how people's relationship to sex is so often what you found like through your sex therapy is so often to do with their relationship to their own bodies mm. and how you can think it's a problem. It's a sex problem, but really it's a you problem with mm. uh, yeah your previous experiences that you've had or the way you view um, your body in itself completely separate to sex as well. Totally. And I think that's, I think that's actually like my biggest takeaway from sex therapy is that like so much of how you see sex and relate to sex is, yeah, as you say, kind of formed outside of the context of the bedroom. And in the same way that oftentimes any issues around sex, like the sex therapist will often say, if I interview them in panels, if you have an issue with sex with your partner, talk about it outside of the bedroom. Don't like figure out during sex. Um, But I think, yeah, going back to your point um, there about like your relationship to your body, 
I wrote about this quite a bit in the column, but I just, I had grew up with really bad anorexia and then bulimia. I used to take those laxatives and I would drink too much. I just like punished my body. I hated my body so much. And even now I find it, I think I'm so obsessively active of like, I go to the gym all the time. I like, I've just been telling you both before, before we came on air <laughs> about my new obsession with mountaineering. I yes. think it's a bit far-fetched me calling me but mountaineering, by the way, I literally climbed a mountain. Um, <laughs> but Grace's boyfriend's like sliding into yeah. your DMs as we speak. <laughs> I love it. He's like with like I full gear. Podcast. <laughs> I, was to say. I, was like, I literally had like trainers in a backpack, and I was just like climbing up a mountain by this a beach. Is my career now. Um, exactly. I quit everything and just do that. But I mean, I think, and I think part of that like obsession, like I need to be moving all the time, is I still do find it quite difficult to just be in my body because I'm used to thinking it is too fat, and I know I'm not a fat person, and it's just I have really bad body dysmorphia and just grew up with that voice in my head being like you're too big you're taking up too much space just that discomfort in my skin so now Mm. like I'm really like sex therapy was so helpful in in getting over that but I think it made me realize how intensely uncomfortable I had become and I was in my body and again I didn't think that that was something that would be affecting sex at all but it was one of the first things my sex therapist and I really delved into And actually, interestingly, she works on an eating disorder ward. So alongside doing her sex therapy, she works on this ward and she was like the interconnection between, particularly for women, between eating disorders and sexual issues is huge. And, you know, it was a point that she made and I've learned to, you know, really take it on board. How can you be present in sex, which is so intimate, it's so much about your body and accepting bodily pleasure and exploring bodily pleasure, your own and someone else's, if you hate your body and if you can't sit in it and if you're always looking for escape routes. So my escape routes were previously like not eating, throwing up, you know, just waging this war on my body. And I think, you know, as I said, just said, I still find it difficult to be like still because I'm like, no, I need to be moving the body. But what sex therapy allowed me to do was kind of just be a little bit like quieter in my body and just like not feel so much hate. And I think... It was, I genuinely felt, and this sounds really cliche and cringy, but it's true. I felt like I was like putting down weapons. I felt like I'd been at this war with my body for so long. And in talking to this therapist and really like going through, like, yeah, just getting to the like root of that, I felt like I just put down my weaponry and was like, okay, I'm not going to suddenly like adore my body, but I'm not going to hate it so much. And I think that has been so critical in allowing me to be more present, not just in partner sex, which definitely has been the case but particularly with masturbating Mm. like when I'm masturbating now I feel so much more like in my body and I can tell if I'm having quite a like disconnected kind of frazzled week because I don't like the generally like the orgasm feels very different and I think again that was just something like self-pleasure just wasn't something I prioritized because I just didn't respect or like my body so Mm. why spend time giving it pleasure that was a gratuitous thing that I didn't deserve and I think final point on this long monologue but <laughs> I think this idea of deserving pleasure is a really interesting one and I think it comes up a lot with the um, event series I run sex talks I think of um, women particularly because kind of that's like the general audience of, of my events kind of expressing in different ways how they feel that they need to like earn the pleasure so whether that's like in the context of like you have to like give someone else all the pleasure first and then you can kind of then it's okay for you to receive it or like I know it's just I think it's just quite a perhaps like quite a female trait that we feel like we need to be deserving of something nice when actually like our bodies are just like amazing vessels for great pleasure and like the clitoris I'll not I'll forget the stat but 
it has like double the amount of number of nerves that the penis does. It's mm. like made, it's the only part of the human body made purely for pleasure. That is something we're celebrating. Yeah, we're so lucky. We're so yeah. lucky. And I loved reading how you said that your sex therapist had told you to keep a pleasure diary about things that had nothing to do with sex yeah. to get in touch with pleasure outside of sex, if that makes sense. Can yeah. you talk a bit about that? Yeah, the pleasure journal was one of the first pieces of homework, I say in inverted commas, and I was so bad at keeping up the homework, um, that my sex therapist sent me. And the and the purpose of it was to help me to step back into my body that, as I said, I'd been like running away from and battling for, for so many years. And the idea was to write down five things a day that felt, that gave me pleasure. So that's like my coffee in the morning, uh, water running down my back when I had a shower, and the idea was to kind of allow myself to feel and notice these points of pleasure and as I said having always had this like very um kind of battle-ridden uh, kind of relationship with my body where I was constantly trying to like hurt it and not feel like nice things it was a really really important practice that just got me into the habit of allowing myself to feel the pleasure and noticing it. And it's kind of a lot, bit like kind of mindfulness really of just being a bit more, yeah, kind of still and present for those moments of pleasure. And it sounds like such a small task, but honestly, I'd actually recommend everyone do it and like just help you feel a little bit more present in your body and then see how it makes you feel when you masturbate later that day mm. <laughs> homework homework exactly yes. so homework pleasure diary for pleasure diary for a week and then masturbate yeah see if you notice the difference i've been doing like uh sessions with a naturopath about bloating and she's making me keep like a gut health diary and i'm like this sounds so much more fun <laughs> add in a pleasure diary to because otherwise i have to be like i ate oats and then i was bloated at but actually you know what even with that it's like what are the foods that make you feel good the pleasure yeah. points and then it's like very true. On those, so. exactly um this we hadn't written down but i think that what we were talking about before like i think so many women would feel similar I th- we've talked about it we talked about it with liz golden a bit but i just think that a lot of the time women like i read that a guy asked you what you wanted during sex and you froze and i feel like even though I'm I feel as though I'm not shy I don't really I wouldn't really know what to say if someone asked me that that much it's not like that you know what it is and you're shy to ask you literally have never even thought about it so you have nothing to say yeah and then women obviously out in the outside world we are taught to kind of be quieter and taught to not be Mm -hmm. as demanding or whatever and I'm just wondering if you're sex therapist or if you, if you, <laughs> you are, what, yeah, you're our sex therapist, um, had tips for people to kind of, to figure that out or like to yeah. know oh, how to. Great question. Yeah. I love <laughs> so yes. Oh my gosh. I'll never forget that moment. What do you like me? Um, uh, isn't it different with everybody? Like, I had no idea. And yeah, I think that, it just speaks to such like disembodiment does it of not spending the time to actually get to mm. know your body and i think that i think that really stems from i think that we have quite a like heteronormative um very male-centric cultural script around what sex should look like that puts a lot of primacy on male pleasure idea that like sex ends when a man comes so there's a lot of focus on male pleasure that i think growing up when i think of all the films i've seen and how they depict sex it's often again like two people fucking until a man comes and very seldom is the clitoris like you know the star of the show in any way shape or form or even showing or even showing <laughs> exactly all. there's um there's a company or a, a 
platform started called the Clip Test, which is uh, seeking to highlight the need to have more of an emphasis on the on clitoral pleasure and stimulation in sex scenes, which I'm like all for. The reason I talk about I bring that up is that I think. For me personally, I think that seems, from what I gather from speaking to lots of people, seems to be quite a typical um, thing. Is that growing up, I, I did think of sex as for men, and not a kind of. I won't think I would have verbalized it as such, but the way I went into sex, it was very much for a man's pleasure. Again, thinking about like what I'd seen in porn, what I'd seen in films, how I'd read about sex, it, the primacy of male pleasure was kind of embedded in my mind. And it's kind of like I was doing it. I don't know about you, but I was doing it as a way to feel validated for myself, exactly. but nothing to do with like my pleasure or sex. It was like yes. them liking me enough totally. to have sex Exactly. With me. And thinking you're like, I remember always being like, I want to be the cool girl that's always up for having sex. Like yeah. that never says I'm too tired or I'm too whatever. <laughs> or yeah. That hurts. Yeah. Or like, yeah. I don't like that. Like yeah. I remember I had sex when like, I remember this one guy when I was like 17, fingering me with, it felt like scissor hand man. Yeah. Honestly, yes. it was like the most painful. <laughs> We've all been there. We've all honestly, been it was there. the worst moment and not saying anything. So I was like, just put, and I remember like, just endure it, just endure it, just endure it because you just need to get like the number of times growing up, I felt just get through this. And again, so I think that's because, yeah, this this emphasis on male pleasure as being kind of the, uh, that's what's important in sex. As a result of growing up with these narratives, I think, I never really put that much store by my own pleasure. I mean, as I mentioned before, the eating sort of that had a huge bearing on it. But when it came to sex, I didn't really ever think about my pleasure being important or something to explore. If you don't spend the time getting to know what you like sexually, and that I really think is through self-pleasure and through with partners, when you'd be like, hey, can we try this? Can we try that? Or maybe porn, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, you can see, I think it's about, I guess it's like having the seeking to explore. So just like if you're Mm. trying to find a new food group that you like or food like you know dish that you want to cook you need to try them so you go to different restaurants you cook different foods you try different dishes the same is kind of with sex if you want to explore what feels good and what doesn't you just have to do it whether that's on your own or yeah or with somebody else and I think that so in terms of thinking about kind of how my sex therapist kind of helped kind of coach me through this and I think it's definitely a work in progress because I still will find myself having sex and being like in my head like this doesn't feel great I'm not gonna come and then I don't say anything I'm like you literally <laughs> write about this you tell other people to communicate yeah. but well as a first port of call I think it's a couple of things so first of all as I say it's exploration so through masturbating through as you say like watching porn that you find like seeing what turns you on and what doesn't turn you on and then if you're in like with a partner or if you have someone that you feel comfortable with like being really vocal in the context of sex. Being like, can we try this? And then being comfortable enough to say like, actually, you know what? This doesn't feel that good. Can we try this? Can we try that? Can we kind of like play around a little bit? And I love that because I think sex is meant to be playful. And Esther Perel talks about this a lot. Like sex is supposed to be fun and playful and joyful. And actually when you make it playful and when you make it fun, it kind of, I think she says like that allows you, um, kind of this, that's when I have a real eroticism occurs because it kind of allows you to feel like safe in that context. You have your boundary set, but you get to be super exploratory. I think I'm totally misquoting her there, but like it's an amalgamation of a couple of ideas she's talking about. <laughs> um, so I think having that, yeah, really like setting out to explore what feels good and I think what I've definitely found doing sex therapy is that the more you talk about sex and what you what you think you like how you feel about sex uh the more comfortable you become in that kind of exploration as I've just described because I mean Kate Moyle this brilliant sex therapist talks about this often that it's almost like 
a muscle memory that you need to exercise. So you need to really like to get in the habit of talking quite openly and quite honestly about sex. It's again, it's like a muscle, you need to exercise it. So having sex therapy, you have, whether it's weekly or monthly or however often you do it, you have a very set time and space in which you are flexing that muscle and you're getting into the practice of talking openly about things that previously, well, in my case, made me really blush, that made me feel quite uncomfortable. And I think taking that outside of the therapy room and into the context of those, what I felt were conversations with sexual partners of being like, actually, can you touch my clit in that way? That still makes me blush even like saying it Mm. here. But I do think that is so critical in like really finding out what you like. And a final note on that, I do think I proselytize, as I say, about the benefits of communication and self-exploration. And honestly, I'm still so shit at both those things. But I do think seeing them as important at least allows you to put to like try a bit more. To- mm. So on that topic, we wanted to talk about sexting, which includes if you would like to repeat a saucy <laughs> little tale, but you wrote about how in the pandemic, sexting almost became a way for you to like learn how to communicate those desires from this like it's a good tool for women especially because you have the safety of a barrier to actually think well what do I want next what do I want to say and you can do it I have never sexted have you not not I'm such a fucking baby I like (laughs) I just I can't think I couldn't think of what to say I don't feel I think also I I'm not like the sexy always in relationships they never like it's never like the sexy thing. It's always more of a jokey. It becomes mm. quite jokey and yeah. like friendly and taking the piss out of each other. Yeah. So me then being like, I want your big cock. Like, <laughs> you need an alter ego. You need yeah. Alter egos for each other. Yeah. That'll be good. But you know, you I've had like, separate or even just things. random guys. I've never sexed anyone. I hadn't prior to the pandemic and then needs must <laughs> at a certain time. <laughs> but I do think I, I similar to you actually, I'd, I can't imagine in the previous long, I've had one like long-term relationship. I think I would have found it really difficult to switch on mm-hmm. that like sexual, like, hey, you know, I want you to finger me in this way and fuck me in that way. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because you are like, you do have to like step into this other persona. Whereas and when you're like, you, what's for dinner? Yeah, yeah like, exactly. So, uh, a separate chat. What time are you, do you mind getting <laughs> yes, some toilet paper on your way yeah. back? Actually, we're, we're, we're out. Like that, it's difficult to like, I guess, shift like gear shift in such a in such a way the the benefit i suppose um one of them of being single which i am now is that the kind of i've had a couple people well like two or three um who i have had like quite just just sexual relationships with which was quite new for me i think mm-hmm. i always had like you know i, I wanted to like so much more and i thought i like one particular person recently who i was just it was a primarily sexual relationship. And so I got to pretend and perform in a way that was quite fun in the end, didn't end up so well. But in the moment, like I did feel like I was acting out this character and I like started saying all this stuff and it was like really hot and sexy and spicy. And I was like, who is this? (laughs) And again, it's like practicing. I mean, what I was saying before, it's like, it's like muscle memory. You have to like practice it because it does feel really awkward at first. And I was a bit like, oh, I just feel so lame. But then once you get into it, you can't stop. That's the thing. <laughs> you're like, fuck me like this. I'm going to here. And you're like, um, okay, so we're cutting off here because things before. start to get a little bit saucy. And if you want to hear the rest of this conversation or another second episode that we did this week, you can head over to Patreon. Okay, love you. Bye.
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.